This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. Welcome to this episode of Mysterious Circumstances Podcast. I'm your host, Justin. Today, we're going to be talking about a place known as Ray Myers Hollow, also known as Hex Hollow. I think you guys are going to like this episode, and it was a suggestion by Megan, who also helped me with information because she is from that area. So, thank you, Megan. And speaking of which, we do have some new Patreon subscribers before we get going, one of which is Megan. <laughs> and uh, we have K Fuel. I hope I pronounced your last name okay. We have Kendra M, Devi Devi, and Dawn Birch. Thank you all so much for being Patreon subscribers. I hope you are enjoying the 100 plus bonus episodes on the Patreon feed. Anybody else interested? You can go to patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances, or if you just want to make a one-time donation, you can also hit me at Venmo at MC Podcast. Now, you $10 tier people, please get a hold of me, email me, justin.mcpodcast at gmail.com, or message me on social media or something so we can set up those video call times. And before we get going, let me rattle off some sources real fast. We have the Marietta Traveler, August 27, 2019, article called The River Witch of Marietta and the Curse of Hex Hollow, written by Tricia Reese. We have the New York Daily News from November 25, 2018. We also have WGAL News from 2016. And then we have a lot of information from a horror author, Named Brian Keene, he wrote a book called Dark Hollow, and it is loosely based on the Raymire case. So there are some sources for you. 
And I'll be honest, this one was a tough one because with a legend like this from 1928, you have a lot of different information from different sources, so it's hard sifting through what is accurate and what is not. And that's where I appreciate Megan helping me out with information because she went to the Historical Society and kind of sifted through and let me know what was embellished and what wasn't. But in order to understand this case and some of the context behind it, we have to understand a folk magic known as powwow. So, when the Pennsylvania Dutch began immigrating from Germany in the early 1700s, they brought with them this tradition, and it was like a folk magic, and it was basically like herbs and homeopathic medicine and stuff like that, and it was called powwowing. Now, this is not related to Native American practice of, of a powwow. It was just a ritual folk magic that was practiced by the Pennsylvania Dutch, now, a lot of it is rooted from a book called Long Lost Friend, and it was published by a German author, John George Homan, in 1820. When this book was published, it presented and put into paper just a collection of all these remedies and recipes and charms that they would use to cure ailments or domestic troubles. There were incantations in there that would keep the owner of this book safe from all evil spirits. So powwows or long lost friend detailed the ways of all this folk magic and it essentially was kind of like a bible for this type of practice. So that being known, let's talk about the namesake of this episode, Nelson Raymeyer. This is who the hollow is named after. He lived in a real small two-story wooden house, and it was kind of tucked away in the woods, and it is an area now known as Spring Valley Park, Pennsylvania. So Nelson Raymeyer, he was a self-proclaimed witch doctor. He lived in this two-story house in this area, which actually is also known as Hex Hollow. He was a farmer by day, a recluse at night, and he was a practicer of powwow, and he became super obsessed with it, to the point that it wrecked his marriage. Now, a few years earlier, before his death in 1928, Raymeyer's wife left him because she started getting sick of his obsession with this white magic and with these herbs and all this stuff that was related to this book. And after his death, his wife told police she had just gotten sick of all of his witch doctor buddies hanging around the house. So she packed up her shit, she took both of her daughters, and she left Nelson Raymeyer to live a very, very lonely life. But they only moved about a mile away, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, they moved across the country or anything like that. So now that we know who Nelson is, let's talk about the second main person in this episode, which is John Blymeyer. John Blymeyer was born in York, Pennsylvania in 1895. By all accounts... He was pretty fucking average. He wasn't a very bright guy. He wasn't popular. He wasn't good looking. But he did share a legacy that his grandfather and father had, and that was healing powers. They were also practicing powwow. So Blymeyer came from a family that practiced this. As a child, he was actually made to work 
for a Hexenmeister by the name of Nelson Raymeyer, who was very locally renowned for his practices and what he could do and couldn't do. So how that came to be was when Blymeyer was just about five years old, he was looking like he was wasting away. Now, his family blamed it on a hex. It was more than likely probably malnutrition because of the times, but they decided to take him to the most respected and renowned Hexenmeister, which was Nelson Raymeyer. And Raymeyer ended up curing John Blymeyer. So that's how he ended up working in his garden, getting to know him, and he ended up developing his own reputation as a healer. But by 1928, John Blymeyer's life was shitty. His wife left him. He had lost two of his children. He couldn't find a job. He had spent some time in a mental institution. Now, the magic that he knew how to do or the healing that he knew how to do with herbs and remedies and stuff like that, it didn't bring much cash in. So he ended up getting a job at a cigar rolling factory. So even though Blymeyer had kind of gotten his shit back together a little bit, not really, but a little bit, he was always wondering in the back of his mind why his luck got so bad so quick. And he became convinced that black magic was the only explanation for all of his problems. Like I had said, John Blymeyer was a powwow doctor himself. And he couldn't figure out who to blame because of all the locals who dabbled in the same shit that he did and he was close with them. So he's like, okay, somebody, somebody has put some kind of hex on me to cause this bad luck. Who is it? And he believed that this curse was the reason behind all of his illnesses and all of his pain and all of his problems in life. He started getting more paranoid when he started noticing other people in town who had the same kind of shitty luck that he did. One of which was a boy that he met in the cigar factory. And it was a 14-year-old boy by the name of John Curry. Now, John Curry's father had died when he was five, and his stepfather would get drunk and just beat the shit out of this kid all the time. So he ended up running away from home. Now, him being 14, he was super impressionable, right? And John Blymeyer started, you know, talking to him, and John Curry bought into everything Blymeyer was saying about powwowing and how he's a doctor not a regular doctor but like a witch doctor and he has basically supernatural powers and you know can do incantations and shit like that so Blymeyer comes to the realization that he is hexed by somebody who's close to him but he doesn't know who so he starts going out and contacting several local witches in a very last effort, Blymeyer goes to a town called Marietta, and he goes to consult with a resident there who was a practicing witch, and he was going to try to attempt to remove this curse that had been placed on him. The person he goes to see is a woman named Nellie Knoll, and she is known as the River Witch of Marietta or the Marietta River Witch. Nellie Knoll was said to have been 
70 years old, about five foot five, 175 pounds, and a guy named J. Ross McGinnis wrote in his book, Trials of Hex, which you should get. It's a great book. He wrote that she only had one tooth in her upper jaw that protruded out of her mouth. So there's your description of the River Witch of Marietta. Source I forgot to mention, J. Ross McGinnis, a book called Trials of Hex. She said if Blymeyer burned a dollar bill in his hand, the ashes would show him the image of his adversary after he removed it. So Noel placed a single dollar bill across his palm, and he burns it. And once the bill was removed, Blymeyer believed that he saw the likeness of Nelson Raymeyer. So she tells him, you've been hexed by the witch of Raymeyer's Hollow who would have been Nelson Raymeyer. So Nellie tells him, you need to find a way into his house to break this curse. And in order to break it, you have to do a couple things, one of which is steal Nelson Raymeyer's spell book, The Long Lost Friend, and burn it. Another thing was cut a lock of Raymeyer's hair and bury it six feet in the ground. Once these two things were done, the curse would be lifted, and John Blymeyer's luck would be totally turned around. So Blymeyer left, and he went and recruited two teenagers that he had befriended who also had shitty luck, one of which being John Curry, 14 years old, and another young man named Wilbert Hess, who was 18, and he was going to have these two guys help him complete his mission. Now, he persuaded these two kids to help him because he had convinced them that they had this same hex on them. John Curry, we already know his story. Wilbert Hess, uh, he was like a farm kid. His father had, at one point in time, been a very prosperous farmer. But he had recently had failed crops, sick livestock, and a bunch of family illness. So he wrangled him into this shit too, saying, You know what? You're probably hexed, my guy. Me and John Curry, we're also hexed. Here's what we need to do. Before we get to the crime at hand, the main part of the story, let's go ahead and take a quick break. I will meet you back here in a few minutes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so there's a lot of different variations of this story. So I went with the one that was most consistent. On the night before Thanksgiving in November of 1928, Blymeyer... John Curry and Wilbert Hess went to 60-year-old Nelson Raymeyer's home. They knocked on the door. Raymeyer let all three of them in without, you know, any real hesitation. The three sat around, talked for a little while, uh, talked about magic and stuff like that. Blymeyer was trying to basically con Raymeyer into giving him the book somehow, and it didn't work. 
So then he just straight up demands Ray Meyer's copy of The Long Lost Friend. Because it's kind of like when you have that book, you put your own information into it, right? So he needed, he wanted to see it. He had to destroy that book. Now, Ray Meyer refused to give up the book. He said he didn't even own it and didn't even have it. So Blymeyer, Curry, and Hess decided to tie him up. And then they violently murdered this dude. Blymeyer strangled him. Curry hit him over the head with a chair and a block of wood from the fireplace. And Ray Meyer ended up dying. So then they go to look for the book. They couldn't find the book anywhere. None of them wanted to cut a piece of his hair off because there was fucking blood everywhere. The dude got bludgeoned to death, right? So Blymeyer is like, fuck it, doesn't even matter. The witch is dead, so a spell is probably broken. So they decided to rob the dude and take whatever money they could find off of him. But just to make sure that the curse was completely lifted and to get rid of any evidence that they were there, the three men decided to douse Ray Meyer's body with kerosene and set him and the entire house on fire. After which, they believed that the curse was lifted and Blymeyer and these two boys took the fuck off. Oddly enough, the house somehow extinguished itself and Ray Meyer's body wasn't even that badly burnt either. So a lot of people took this as confirmation, and not just Blymeyer and his two accomplices, but a lot of people in town started believing after after the fact that, you know what, maybe Blymeyer was fucking right. They took it as Raymeyer really did have supernatural powers, and maybe he really was a witch. The house literally still stands as well. So, the first sign that something was wrong was a neighbor hearing a hungry mule that was kind of roaming around uh, Ray Meyer's Hollow. The neighbor heard it. He went and decided to investigate. And he looked through a window of the house, and he saw Ray Meyer's body on the floor, a rope around his neck. There was blood all over the walls and ceiling, and he could smell a little bit of burnt flesh and death. So within a day, the police had tracked down John Blymeyer, who was 33 at the time, Wilbert Hess, and John Curry, and they gave full confessions. When they asked Blymeyer's motive, he straight up, without hesitation, admitted, yeah, I fucking killed him to lift a curse that was ruining my life. Said that Nelson Raymeyer had put a spell on him. Now, for such a small community, this was a huge deal. And the murder trial that happened made national news headlines. It was a media sensation. During the trials, though, prosecutors tried to downplay the whole magic aspect of it and the supernatural aspect of it, and they were basically saying that it was a robbery gone wrong. No matter, it became known in the press as the witchcraft murders. The jury found Blymeyer guilty of first-degree murder and sent him to prison for life. His sentence was commuted in 1953, after which he worked as a night watchman in Philadelphia until 1965, and then he died seven years later. Young Wilbur Hess, he was convicted of second-degree murder and spent 10 years in prison. John Curry, the 14-year-old, his life took a really unexpected turn when he was sent to a reformatory because he was a minor. 
The warden saw that he had a natural artistic ability. The warden himself helped him get parole after 10 years. And Curry ended up working as a cartographer on General Dwight D. Eisenhower's staff and drafted maps for D-Day. After World War II, he raised a family and earned a reputation as a painter and just kind of lived a normal life. So here's where some of the legends come into play as well. Ray Meyer's house, where he was murdered, still stands on Ray Meyer's Hollow Road. It is owned by his great-grandson. It has been, for the most part, restored. And Ray Meyer's great-grandson hopes to use it to highlight some of the Pennsylvania Dutch history in the area. It's said that its charred floorboards are still there, and the clock above the stove is frozen forever at 12.01 when Nelson Raymeyer was murdered. A lot of locals believe this area and this house is haunted. Teenagers go out there for the legend. You know how that goes. We've, I'm pretty sure we've all been there, you know. And there have been reports of smoke coming from the vacant house. Obviously, everybody says it's Nelson Raymeyer's spirit still haunting the area. There have been people who reported seeing a black dog with red eyes who just kind of lurks in the forest right by the house. There's claims that if you throw rocks at the house, the rocks will get thrown back to you. Now, if you care to drive past Ray Myers Hollow, be on the lookout for the, for the smoke coming out of the house. That's one of the huge things that I read. I will say this, I do not suggest throwing fucking rocks at this house or stepping on the property. It is private property, so, you know, if you're going to take your chances, do that. The spot in the house where Ray Meyer was set on fire is now covered in glass to preserve the murder scene. Now, that's something I only read in one place. Can't 100% verify that. Also, Brian Keene, who I referred to at the beginning of the episode, wrote a book called Dark Hollow, which is loosely based on this case. And during his research for the book, he found out that the area in and around Ray Myers Hollow has a reputation as being bad grounds. That the area around the home, this area was known to have been avoided by Native American tribes. And apparently, this is where their mentally ill and violent would camp out in those woods so few little local legends for you guys i hope you enjoyed the episode if not i don't know what to tell you i got another one coming for you here in a few days as well but anyway um yeah ways you can get a hold of me we have uh facebook obviously if you're gonna join the group please you have to answer the questions or my admin will not let you in uh, you can go by and like the Facebook page. I am on Twitter, at PodcastMC. I really don't get on Twitter that much. Uh, I do share stuff every now and then on there, though. Uh, Instagram is the one that I'm usually on the most. You can follow me there, at Mysterious underscore Podcast. You can also follow my um, personal account, at BurnItAll13. If you don't have an actual Instagram account that's like real or any posts or anything like that, I'm probably not going to let you follow me because it's a private account. My TikTok is the same as my personal Instagram as well. I really haven't posted on there in months and months and months. I don't know. TikTok's just not really my thing, I guess. Other than that, you can always email me, justin.mcpodcast at gmail.com. 
And I am pretty sure that is it. Until next time, see you folks on the flip side.